Hey, how are you today, Jamie? The friendly barista already knew Jamie's usual coffee order. She had the grande cup in hand, scribbling her notes on the side with black marker. One decaf, cafe americano, splash of soy milk. I'm fine, thanks, Jamie said. But the barista glanced at her and said, You don't look fine. Are things okay? And before she knew it, Jamie felt tears welling up in her eyes. She quickly excused herself and ducked around the corner to grab some napkins, dabbing at her eyes and trying not to draw attention to herself. What the hell am I crying for? She circled back, paid for the drink, and muttered an excuse to the friendly barista about having allergies. She hurried outside and chose a seat facing away from the other people. What the heck was that all about? She had almost started sobbing in public with zero notice. She did have a lot of work on her plate, and her son's issues with his math teacher weren't helping. She hadn't slept well in a few nights, and the dog had yet another ear infection. So maybe all of that combined was showing on her face. Yikes! She hadn't even realized how upset and overwhelmed she was. And yet it was obvious for a barista to see in two seconds. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating Podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. Two months into our Breaking Up with Binge Eating coaching program, I pose this question to our clients. Are you aware of your state, physically, emotionally, and mentally, in the course of the day? Many of us soldier through our days getting stuff done without much awareness about how we are feeling. When tension builds up enough, the dam bursts. We might eat lots of food or yell at the kids. The idea behind practicing awareness is to check in with ourselves periodically. This allows us to take notice how we are feeling and take appropriate action. We may need to take a break, to ask for help, or to just reassess what is happening. When stress or upset catches us off guard or builds up without us noticing the rising tide, this often gets us into trouble and leads us to things we regret. Things going into our mouths like food and things coming out of our mouths like harsh words. Our client Jessie put it this way, I have a really hard time pinning down what my feelings are, even when they're extremely negative. I often don't know exactly what they are. I have such a hard time when I'm in a bad mood and my husband asks me what's wrong, and I literally don't know. This is how my anorexia self-harm started when I was a teenager. When something bad happened, parents divorced, boyfriend cheated, etc., I didn't really know how to process these things. And when you're a teenager, things are so intense. So I just take them out of myself. Now, of course, I'm an adult and have some life experience and know how to communicate and make myself feel better if I'm upset. But it's still really hard to pin those emotions down. What Jesse described is very common. A high percentage of people who struggle with disordered eating have this limited ability to verbalize emotions. This is called alexithymia. That's good to know. There's actually a word for it. 
Anyway, the cure is trying to figure out what you feel, noticing the sensations you have, and even just making an educated guess at your emotion, using the available clues. You know, someone yelled at you, that feeling might be anger. My co-coach Georgie wrote in the group, I used to think I only had two feelings, sometimes good and sometimes bad. But most of the time, I didn't feel anything at all. Good was nice, no problems there, but bad always led to cookies or searching for desserts. Jesse responded, It's good to know it's not just me. It can be a very isolating sensation. I definitely thought I had just two feelings as well. Although for me, it's usually nothing and irritated. We agreed that once a day, when she got home from work, she would try to tune in and see what she noticed about her emotional state. I know this experience as well. For years, I had no clue what I was feeling. I just dealt with it. My motto was, suck it up. I really thought that I behaved consistently, and everyone else was just irrational once a month. What's PMS? To me, that didn't exist, even though it actually kind of did. Sorry, everyone. So first of all, just noticing how I felt was a big step. Next, if the feeling was negative, I would play around with it, trying to identify where it was coming from. Let's see, do I have too much to do? Am I angry at my husband? Am I worried about my son? I would just go through the list and try them on, like clothing, until I found the match. I still do that. Another client, Rick, had noticed that his workday snacking was probably rooted in the buildup of emotions throughout the day. As one thing got piled on top of another, he got more and more tense. And then, almost on autopilot, he'd be grabbing something, anything, to snack on, fully aware that he wasn't hungry. One thing that I thought would help Rick was figuring out what his tells or warning signs were. This way, he could notice them and avert the snacking. What I mean by warning signs are things you do or thoughts you have that you can use as signposts that you are getting tense or emotional. Some people realize their tell is endless social media or news scrolling, snapping rudely at someone who hasn't done anything, clamming up and being silent, feeling a loss of empathy for other people, grinding their teeth or jaw clenching, or balling up their hands. Oh yeah, that's what I do. My fists get clenched. I guess I'm ready to brawl. Rick said, for him, that number one and number two for sure. I find myself getting unreasonably annoyed with my family, and I start obsessing over the news. With those two things in mind, as his early warning signs, Rick could pay attention to when he started obsessing over the news or getting annoyed, and take some time out and decompress. For everyone listening, you'll notice we discussed two different ways to practice gaining emotional awareness, as exemplified by Jesse and Rick. Jesse really felt unaware of her feelings, so the best way for her to practice was to schedule check-ins and to see what she could sense. Some of our clients set alarms on their phones as daily check-in reminders. You can do it once a day or more than that if you want to build the skill faster. 
other clients commit to taking a few minutes in the car before they enter the house to just breathe and relax. The key here is to assign yourself a specific time or situation, or you might never do it. As you get better at this, you'll be able to move to the style of practice we assigned to Rick, to sense when a strong emotion is coming and by observing your tells, and to stop on the spot to assess and see if you can open a valve to let some of that steam escape. I want to close this episode by sharing something Rick said a few weeks after this assignment. He said, I've been tracking my state of mind throughout the day, and it is very helpful. I am definitely the damn bursting type of person. There have been a number of times that I was sure that by identifying my moods and feelings, I was able to better deal with them and subvert a binge situation. But for me, the real value seems to be in the pause in my day and the identification of the feelings. I've noticed that I haven't felt the dam building up as much when I do this. To everyone listening, I hope you give these techniques a try. Practice noticing your emotional state. Let's prevent the next dam burst. And the people around you will be grateful too.